When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we Welcome in, everybody, episode 268 of the podcast that is Sweeping America, the Aerator Sports Podcast. It is Monday, July 6, 2020, people. I hope everybody had a great 4th of July holiday weekend. I certainly did. I was at home. Not going to lie, the fireworks started in Hoodie AT's uh, neighborhood about probably 5 p.m. and were going well after midnight when I went to bed. But I hope all of you had a great 4th of July holiday weekend. If you got had a chance to get away, I hope you got, got away. If you had people over the neighborhood, I hope you had people in the neighborhood. Whatever you did, I hope you had a great holiday weekend. And guess what? Even though it's July, we got a great show coming up. So here is what the rundown of today's show is. And I think you can probably guess where I'm going to start off with this. McCour Maker, five-star forward, uh, originally from the Sudan. He's from all over, has played all over Canada and the United States in high school. He commits to Howard on Friday morning, becoming basically the most high-profile basketball player I would say really of our lifetimes to ever to commit to an HBCU, historically black college or university. I guess by technicality, maybe in the 50s or the 60s, there was somebody more high profile. We've had high profile football players come out of the HBCUs, Jerry Rice, Walter Payton, etc. But nothing like what we saw on Friday. We will talk about that and we will also talk about the fact that I'll be honest, AT always tells you the truth, and I'll be honest, I don't know if he's going to play college basketball. I don't know if this was a marketing ploy or a uh, marketing opportunity created by the people around him, and many of you know the background, and we're going to get into it, but obviously the adults in his life, uh, let's just say they're not the most upstanding people dating back to Thon Maker a few years ago. And there was a couple instances before that that I will tell you about. Really interesting stuff. I'm going to give you a perspective nobody else will because that's what I do. Afterward, we will transition into a little more college hoops. You know, I haven't done a mailbag segment in a while. Got two great questions. One on rising programs in college hoops. So I think that one will be really fun. And then maybe even talk a little bit of college football. I don't know if we will on today's episode, but we are getting awfully close to the start of college football season. Obviously, like everybody else, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that this thing gets going in some way, shape, or form. Uh, August 29th would be when week zero starts. Obviously, the week after would be when week one happens, and then we roll from there. So we will talk a little bit of college football. Hopefully, we are on track to get college football. If we don't do it today, we're going to do it at some point because it's coming up quick, get some college football guests, but it is time to start that transition from the crazy college basketball offseason that really started this this year in the middle of March into 
uh, a little bit of college football. So a great show today and a great uh, month of shows, a great spring of shows, a great summer of shows. And before we get started, I want to remind everybody a couple things. One, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes, do it on Podcast Addict, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, the things that you uh, enjoy about this show, and it really does help us move up those iTunes charts, so I appreciate all your support. Also, if you're not following on Instagram, what are you doing? Come on. Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. Find me on YouTube. Find me on Facebook. And as I mentioned, we're going to do a little bit of mailbag today and maybe next episode as well. If you have questions for the show, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. And really quickly before we get to the meat of the show, let me just say this. I mentioned it last episode, but thank you guys so much for the support over the last couple months. I mean, the last couple months have been a crazy time in our world, a crazy time in the sports world. Hopefully we are getting back to some semblance of normalcy with the NBA and Major League Baseball set to return. But despite no sports since March 10th, As I said on last episode, we set a downloads record in the month of June, this after a downloads record in the month of May, and if you haven't caught up on old episodes, now is a great time to do so. Last Thursday, great episode where I talked a little bit about Imani Bates, I talked about Rick Pitino and his crazy tweets that might not be so crazy, and then of course, as I've said, a lot of great guests throughout the spring and summer. Mike Boynton, head coach at Oklahoma State. Nate Oates, head coach at Alabama. Eric Musselman, head coach at Arkansas. Rick Barnes, head coach at Tennessee. Patrick Patterson, the former Kentucky Wildcat. Emmanuel Quickly, the former Kentucky Wildcat. BJ Boston, Davion Mintz, current Kentucky Wildcats. Who else did I have? Mark Pope, BYU coach. Um, I'm blanking. Mason Jones. I can't remember everybody. I had so many good guests. How about Obi Toppin, National Player of the Year last season, potential number one pick in the draft. So many great guests. If you have not caught up on old episodes, I know many of you were locked up. You weren't uh, traveling as much. You weren't at the gym. You weren't doing the things you normally do. You can still go back to listen to those episodes in March, April, May. A lot of good stuff came out of that time. And with that said, all right, people. No more time to waste, and let's get into the meat of today's show. And the story that I'm going to talk about, it's not very often, I'll say this, shout out to my boy McCorm Maker, because it is not very often that there is any college hoop story that becomes really maybe the biggest story in sports at any given time of the year, except for maybe March. But my boy McCorm Maker certainly did that. On Friday morning, I wake up, I'm on vacation, uh, getting away, trying to just chill, decompress, whatever. I don't get up till about 8 Pacific, which is about 11 Eastern, and about seven hours early. The whole news cycle had already happened. McCormaker, five-star forward slash center slash wing slash kind of a KG, KD type clone, commits to Howard. And so I know everybody knows that story. But as I said off the top... He is a very high-profile player, certainly had the opportunity to go to UCLA, had the opportunity to go to Kentucky. He instead chooses Howard, and as I said, he became essentially the most high-profile player, I would say in football or basketball, to ever commit to an HBCU, historically black college or university. And it's obviously, look, it's a mega story, right? Anytime that a high-profile player 
goes. Anytime a high-profile player commits, period, it's a big story. If Cade Cunningham commits to Oklahoma State, if B.J. Boston commits to Kentucky, uh, you know, whatever. Devin Askew commits to Kentucky, it's a big story. But this is obviously a huge, mega story because it isn't often that not only does a player choose a school off the beaten path, but that he chooses one that is a mid-major and, of course, has all the historical implications that comes with choosing an HBCU, a historically black college or university, college and, you know, college and university, whatever. You get the point that I'm trying to make. And so this is mega, right? And this has been the talk in college athletics for a long time. Will we see one of these high-profile players commit to an HBCU? There have been players who have taken unofficial visits, official visits. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, who was the number one high school football player two years ago in the class of 2019, I believe he took an official to Florida A&M. Obviously, last recruiting cycle, Josh Christopher, top 10 prospect, top 15 prospect who ended up at Arizona State, took an official to Howard. Maker, who I'm, I'm going to call Thonmaker at some point during this segment, so I apologize in advance. Maker took a, a visit to Howard, but I don't think that anybody really believed that Howard was actually going to be the pick until he officially made the pick on Friday. So first of all, credit to the kid. Uh, He chose the college that he believes is best for him. And of course, now the conversation is, is this guy a pioneer? Is he going to become the first of many to choose an HBCU, use maybe that one-and-done year, that one-and-done opportunity to play at an HBCU? I don't know the answer to that, but what I do want to talk about is the bigger picture ramifications because I do think there is an entire conversation that no one is having, and because of my background in college basketball, it is a conversation that I want to have and I want to be real with you, and I've said it all along and I've said it on this show, so I'm going to continue to keep it real. I do have my doubts that this guy ever plays college basketball, so let's get into why, and this isn't a criticism of the kid, it's not a criticism of his family, it's not a criticism of anything. Here is the reality. So here is why I am a little dubious as to whether Maker will ever play college basketball. And it's very simply this. It has nothing to do with him and everything to do with the adults in his life, and specifically the adult in his life who kind of runs things, right? For people who don't follow recruiting day-to-day, usually there is an adult that usually has a big say in what a kid decides to do. Sometimes it's a high school coach. Sometimes it's an AAU coach. Sometimes it's mom. Sometimes it's dad. And in some cases, you have the situation like a McCormaker maker where there's somebody from outside the family uh, who has a really big influence on the kid. And in the case of McCormaker, maker, this guy's name is Ed Smith. And so let me tell you a little about Ed Smith because I think many of you will remember him from Thawne Maker's recruitment. But let me just say that this guy does not have the most sparkling reputation within college basketball circles. And I want to explain why, because I'm not being critical. I'm not rooting against the kid. I'm not rooting against this adult in his life. All I'm doing is giving you the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is this. This guy, Ed Smith, does not have the best reputation in college basketball. And it's funny because, as I said a minute ago, I think many of you remember Thawne Maker's recruitment. Thawne Maker is, of course, McCour Maker's uh, older cousin. Thawne Maker was, at one point, one of the top high school players in the class of, I believe it was 2017. And if you followed his recruitment, um, 
you know, for two, three years, all you heard from his camp, which his camp was this guy, Ed Smith, oh, he's going to play college basketball. Recruit him, recruit him, recruit him. He's going to play college basketball. And if I remember correctly, Arizona State was involved and Notre Dame was involved. And there was a couple programs that were, that were, that were somewhat involved. And the funny story that came out of that recruitment was that this guy, Ed Smith, really wanted Kentucky to get involved. And at some point, somebody did an interview with Thon Maker where they asked him about Kentucky. And he gave a great quote where he basically said, look, John Calipari said, I want to recruit you, but I need to know you're actually interested in coming to play college basketball. And when you're ready to cut out the nonsense, give us a call and we'll get serious. Well, they never cut out the nonsense and Thonmaker ended up declaring for the draft, being a lottery pick. Don't blame the kid for going pro, made a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera. Drafted by the Bucks, played with the Detroit Pistons. So a lot of people know that story. But there is another story that I think kind of paints the picture of who this guy Ed Smith is and why I am dubious at best that McCormaker ever plays college basketball. And here is that backstory. Many of you guys know I am a UConn alum, Okay. I don't want to call myself a UConn basketball encyclopedia, but I know a lot of random stuff. And I would say this in general, in college basketball, I know a lot of stuff. And so this guy, Ed Smith, kind of really grew out his, he really kind of gained his reputation because of the Thon Maker situation. There was actually a situation at my alma mater, UConn, five, six, seven years before that not a lot of people know about. And so when it comes to Ed Smith, this was the situation at UConn. 2010, 2011, going into that season, you may remember that season because UConn won the national championship with Kemba Walker, but going into that season, there was a very high-profile big man that UConn had on their roster named Ater Majuk. Very similar background to McCormaker. Ater Majuk was from the South Sudan, went to Australia, came to the United States, got set up with Ed Smith, and ends up at UConn. UConn fights like heck to get him eligible. They get him eligible late in the previous season. He goes through all the spring workouts, all the summer workouts. We get to October 1st, and you can Google this. His name's Ater Majuk, A-T-E-R-M-A-J-O-K. And Ater Majuk gets all the way to the start of the season and leaves the program. And nobody knows why, and nobody can figure out why, and... It was a very kind of interesting back and forth in the media because the assumption was that something happened with Jim Calhoun and Jim Calhoun threw him out of the program. So Jim Calhoun goes on the record and says, I wanted the kid back. I want him to play here. And Ater Majuk then goes to the media and says, I didn't want to leave. But if you read the tea leaves and you can go back and read the articles, they're still online. The Hartford Current did a big story about it. The New Haven Register did a big story about it. Basically, the insinuation without saying it was that this guy, Ed Smith, saw an opportunity for this kid to make some money, make a couple bucks, go to Australia, play overseas, and pulled him out of school a month before the season started. So as you can imagine, it did not leave the most pleasant taste in the mouths of the people at UConn. They ended up winning a national championship anyway, so it's irrelevant. But this guy did not have the best reputation. And then the Thon Maker situation happened a few years ago where, again, he told people for two years, recruit my guy. He's going to college. We're not going to the NBA. Then... The second the recruitment heats up, guess what happens? He withdraws from, co- or he, you know, he he enters the NBA draft, never goes to college, and he had a bunch of schools waste their time. And so, by the way, that's part of the reason that McCore Maker's recruitment really didn't pick up until two, three, four, uh, even less than that months ago. 
because nobody actually thought this guy was going to college because they have dealt with this guy, Ed Smith, forever. And listen, again, to be abundantly clear, I'm not picking on this guy, Ed Smith. I am just giving you facts of what his history tells us. And what his history tells us is he uses kids as leverage. He uses the media as leverage to get the best professional opportunity for his players. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. We all want to get paid. We all want to make money doing what we love to do. And so if the end game is make money um, playing basketball, I'm never going to criticize anybody for that. But when you leverage colleges, when you leverage the media, when you leverage all of these different entities to get your kids uh, to that end game and you kind of like, I don't want to say ruin, you know, ruin situations, but you really screw people over along the way you're not going to have the most pleasant reputation. And so when I look at the situation with Maker, here is why I'm doubtful that he plays college basketball. First of all, and again, I'm not criticizing the kid. I'm criticizing the adults around him. But kind of a little bit of a questionable, how did he end up in this situation to begin with? Went back and looked it up, made sure my facts were right. Five years of high school, five different high schools. And oh, by the way, one year he didn't even go to high school. He was homeschooled. So five different high schools in five years, plus a year of homeschool. And oh, by the way, this whole time going into this season, it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to go pro. He is draft eligible as a 19-year-old who technically graduated high school in 2019. Everyone assumes he's going to go to college, except he didn't or go pro, except he didn't play that well as a fifth-year player in high school this year, and he kind of had no choice. So he went through the motions with the pro process, and then, next thing you know, he has no interest, and he has to go back to college. And so, when I look at the situation with McCore Maker, this is where I start to see some red flags. This is a guy that, first of all, has a, a, a checkered academic background. I'm not saying he's not eligible. I'm not saying I have any information. What I am saying is, it's, it's a little bit, you know, do the, do the math in your head. Five high schools in five years, not blaming the kid, but it is a fact. I'd be a little concerned if I was trying to get him into my school, okay? Then on top of that, he goes through the whole pro process, wasn't very good as a senior in high school. Now, in his, in his defense, he was injured, but wasn't very good, tries to go through the process, doesn't get there, and so he decides to go to college. And so I guess where I'm at with Maker is very simply this, is is this kid really interested in going to college? Are the adults in his life really interested in sending him to college? Or are they once again, for the third time, fool me once, shame on me, fool, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Well, we're on strike three with Ed Smith here. Fooled us once with a, a Terramajuk at UConn. Fooled us twice with Thon Maker. Strike three is with McCour Maker. This is a guy that leveraged UConn to get a pro contract for a, a Terramajuk, leveraged a bunch of schools to get a pro contract for Thon Maker, now, think about the situation that happened at Howard, happened with this commitment a few days ago, right? This is a guy that we knew wanted to go pro, knew wanted to enter the draft. And so if he just goes through the recruiting process and he's trying to create buzz for himself in this draft process, yeah, he could have committed to Kentucky. By the way, I'm not even sold how much Kentucky wanted him. I think they wanted him, but I don't think it was like full speed ahead, like, you know, the full court press. He could have committed to Kentucky. He could have committed to UCLA. But if he commits to those schools, well, then he's just another name, another number, another uh, you know person in, in, in that school's history. He's just another NBA prospect that came through Kentucky or came through UCLA. 
But what is the one thing that he can do? What is the one thing if he is going to commit to a college and he wants to create buzz, at the very least if he just wants to create a brand and maybe draft buzz, what's the best thing you can do? Commit to a school that nobody's expecting. Commit to a school and become that first guy that commits to an HBCU. Commit to a school that you know you will be the number one story in sports, which is exactly what McCord Maker was on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so forgive me if I'm a little dubious that a guy in Ed Smith is not using Howard to leverage the situation to get McCord Maker a very lucrative contract professionally, whether it's overseas, whether it's in the G League, whether it's as an NBA draft pick, I don't know. But what I do know is if you're trying to create buzz for your guy, the best thing you could do is pick a school like Howard that is going to make national headlines, and it is going to make national headlines. And if you think the McCore Maker hype train is over, think again. Just for fun, and it's not even fun, I just wanted to do my homework. I went on Instagram right before I started recording this show, and McCore Maker already announced he's going to be on first take this week. He's going to be on a couple other ESPN shows this week. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on some of the Fox shows. And I don't blame anybody. This is the biggest story in sports. If I could get him on this show, I would get him on this show. But doesn't it feel like this was a little bit strategic? And by the way, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he plays college basketball next year. Maybe it is the greatest thing that ever happened. And for the record, just to make it clear, I want the kid to play college basketball. Any kid that chooses college basketball over a professional opportunity is great for me. It's great for my business. And you know what? If McCormaker goes to Howard and balls out, that is a great national storyline that everybody can get behind, which makes a show like this more relevant. So it's not to say... I don't want him to go to Howard, or I don't want him to play college basketball, or I don't want him to succeed. I'm just having my doubts over if it will actually happen or not. Now, speaking of which, let's actually get into that second part. Let's get into the reality of, let's say, what if he does go to college, right? What does it mean for the HBCUs? What does it mean for college basketball in general, et cetera? So I think, first of all, in the bigger picture, like I said off the top, there has been this conversation about young players choosing the HBCU path, and all I'll say is more power to them. If you can go to any school you want to in the country, if you can go anywhere, and oh, by the way, you can create headlines, and you can forge your own path, and if McCormaker does go to Howard, and if he does have success, and if he is drafted, this will be a game changer, and we already know that some of the younger players and some of the younger classes are talking about this. Mikey Williams, who's right down the road from me, right outside of San Diego, number one freshman in America, he is very vocal about wanting to go play at an HBCU. Good for him, man. I just want him to play college basketball. Whether that's at Duke, whether that's at Kentucky, whether that's at UCLA, or whether that's at Howard or Hampton or Texas Southern or Norfolk State or Morgan State or whatever, I don't care. I just want these kids to all play college basketball. It's good for me if they play college basketball. And so I certainly don't think Maker will be the last one, and he might be the first of a trendsetter in which a lot of kids choose this path. If they do, great. If they don't, that's fine too. College basketball is great when we have great players in the sport, and I don't care if they're at Howard. Listen, number one pick in the draft this year is either going to come from Dayton, Memphis, who played like three games, or Georgia. You don't got to go to Kentucky. You don't got to go to Duke. You don't got to go to North Carolina to get exposure. It helps. I think there's benefits to that, which we'll get to in a second. I do think there are benefits to playing at Kentucky or playing at North Carolina or playing at Duke, but you don't have to go there. Ben Simmons went to LSU, went number one overall. Markel Fultz went to Washington, went number one overall. If Mikey Williams ends up as good as we think he is and he goes to Howard or Morgan State instead of Duke or Kentucky, that's fine. I'm just happy he's playing college basketball. 
But in terms of McCore Maker himself, I will say this is a very interesting case study because I think there's this assumption that he's just going to go to uh, play at, at Howard and he's going to dominate because he's so good and he is going to be the biggest story in the sport. And I'm just not sold that it's going to happen. And so what I would say about Howard is, you know, I, this is from a basketball perspective, a very risky move if he does play college basketball. And by the way, that's another reason why I think that he might not end up at Howard is because if you go to Howard and you get exposed and you're on a team that isn't very good and you don't elevate that program, a little bit of it does fall on your shoulders. Now, you're not going to get 100 percent of the blame. Anthony Edwards didn't get 100 percent of the blame that Georgia was terrible. Uh, ben Simmons didn't get 100% of the blame that LSU is terrible, but I do think there's a possibility that you get exposed, and I do think as great of a story as it is that this kid chose an HBCU, I do think there are some inherent concerns if I was him, if I was advising him on actually playing there. The first one is, it's really hard to play at a low major program. You simply do not have access to the same things that they do at the high major programs. And it's so easy for everyone else, right? And I see so many people in the media, go to an HBCU, change the culture, blah, blah, blah. If you want to do that, great. But let's not talk like there are no negatives to that either. Because you go to Duke, you got the best strength and conditioning in the world. You obviously got a Hall of Fame coach. You got a, a, a chef with catered personalized meals. You got great amenities. When you go on the road, you're, you're chartering, you're staying in five-star hotels, and you're doing this, and you're doing that, and whatever. You go to Howard, you're probably going to play most of November and December on the road. You're going to be on a bus. You are not going to have those catered meals. I think I've said it on this show before, but I have a buddy who coaches in an HBCU, and it's unfortunate, and I feel bad, but... He is in a situation where when his players finish their workouts, they come to his office and he gives them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because the school literally can't afford to feed him. And I don't know, for the record, if that's even an NCAA violation, but I'm just telling you right now, you know, you go to Duke, you go to Kentucky, you got a personalized catered meal coming to you after every single workout. You go to some of these small low majors and it's not, by the way, just the HBCUs, I mean, you're talking about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, if that, after a workout. You're talking about spending all of November and December on the road. Oh, by the way, McCourt Maker, who couldn't even dominate high school basketball as a fifth-year senior, 19-year-old this year? You don't think he's getting everybody's best shot every single game? And so, you know, it, it does kind of bother me, right? When you see a story like this, everybody jumps in and everyone's got their opinion. And listen... I'm in the opinion business. I'll never judge anyone else for having an opinion. But so many of these opinions are not very well educated. So many of these opinions do not talk about the potential risks if this kid does show up and play college basketball. This kid ain't Zion. This kid ain't R.J. Barrett. This kid ain't Anthony Davis, where he can just come in and completely dominate and doesn't matter where he goes and the team's going to be awesome. I'm just saying, you're going to be on a bus in November and December. This is, by the way, assuming we have a normal college basketball season. You're going to be getting everybody's best shot. You're not going to have the same meals that other players get. It's going to be a lot of McDonald's after the game and Burger King and Subway and Wendy's. Not going to be staying in the same hotels. And it might not mean much to the casual observer. But that stuff matters. When you're trying to be at peak performance to impress NBA people, that stuff matters. And oh, by the way, that's on top of the fact that I still don't think he's going to play college basketball. So, you know, I, I just want to make the thing abundantly clear as I end this. 
not being critical of the kid. I'm not even necessarily being a critical of the adults in his life because the adults in his life are just trying to make money like the rest of us are. I don't blame them. I'm just dubious that this kid ever plays college basketball because the history of the adults in his life tell me that he will not. And if he does play college basketball, I'm just saying it ain't going to be easy as roll out the ball and we're going to win a bunch of games. Howard went 4-29 and last year. They went 1-15 and in maybe the worst league in college basketball. And so I just think it'll be really interesting to see. I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens over the next probably, what, five weeks, four weeks as we get towards that August 3rd draft deadline. Because I still think McCormaker may go play in the, may, may declare for the NBA draft. I still think he may pursue an overseas contract, maybe go to the G League Select program. Or maybe he does it for the brand, maybe he does it for college basketball, maybe he does it for the future, maybe he goes to Howard, but even then I don't think it'll be easy. Point being, I think it's an awesome story. I hope he plays college basketball. It gives us another story to watch throughout the season. I'm just not sold that it's actually going to happen. All right, let's switch gears here. Um, Not a lot else really happened over these last couple days in the college sports world, even in the NBA bubble world. Um, you know, look, I will say from the football perspective, Oklahoma did get a commit from the number one quarterback in the country. I don't do a ton of high school football recruiting stuff on this show because if I'm being perfectly honest, the impact of most of these guys is negligible. Trevor Lawrence is maybe the greatest quarterback prospect of my lifetime. He didn't even start the season for Clemson when he was a freshman. Justin Fields is going to be a top five pick. He didn't even play at Georgia as a freshman. And so I'm sorry that I can't get super excited that this kid, Caleb Williams, committed to Oklahoma, is the number one high school quarterback going into this senior season of 2020-2021. I just don't know that it matters all that much. Oklahoma is going to have great quarterbacks as long as Lincoln Riley is going to be there. Oklahoma is going to have great offenses as long as Lincoln Riley is going to be there. And all their quarterbacks are going to be in position to compete for a Heisman, compete for a top first-round kind of draft pick, but it's all going to come down to Do you win? And if you win, it comes down to the defense. But again, this is a kid, this isn't basketball, where a kid can come in and be a Zion and be the best player in the country. I think it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how his career develops, but I'm not going to spend too much time talking about a high school football quarterback when he's probably not going to even start as a freshman and his impact isn't going to be for another two, three years down the road. So instead, and by the way, I don't want to crap on college football, just for the record, I love college football. We're going to be talking a ton of college football. I'm just saying, I just don't know that it's like a super relevant, super important story that we need to hit on on the show. Uh, So let's get to the mailbag. And as I've mentioned many times, if you do have questions for this show, I don't care what it is. You want to talk college hoops? You want to talk college football? You want to talk the NBA bubble? You want to tell me how wrong I was about something? You want to talk about travel? You want to talk about all my trips to Vegas? Whatever you want to talk about, send it in. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. You guys want to talk? Let's talk. Whatever you want. And I did get a couple great questions. I'll probably save another one, the other one for a future episode. But this was a really good question. I really like this. And it came from Mike in Virginia. He said, AT, love the show. You always keep it real. First of all, thanks, Mike. That's true. I think so. He also said, he says, I also love college hoops. He goes, what are a couple programs 
in your eyes that you could see making a big jump the next few years, basically programs on the rise? I thought that was a really interesting question. I thought it was a really fun question. So let's get into that question. Um, And before we do, I, I did set up a couple caveats before we got into this. So when I say program on the rise, I want to kind of distinguish some programs from the others, right? Like obviously Kentucky, Duke, Villanova, they're not on the rise. But like is Texas Tech on the rise or are they kind of there already? Like is Seton Hall on the rise or are they there already? So basically what I said was this. To be considered on the rise, they are programs going in the right direction, but in the last three years, they can't have made the Sweet 16 or beyond in the NCAA tournament and they can't have won a regular season conference title, right? So like by that definition, Texas Tech is not a program on the rise. They made the Final Four two years ago. They made the Elite Eight before, the year before. They're not a program on the rise. They're a program that has arrived. Tennessee, last three years, has won a regular season conference title, made a Sweet 16. Have they gotten as high as they're going to go under Rick Barnes? Probably not. But they're not a program on the rise either. Same thing with the conference champions, right? I think Creighton is on the rise. I think Seton Hall is on the rise. But can I call them programs on the rise when they just won the Big East regular season title? They split it with Villanova this year, three-way split atop the Big East standings. I don't really know that I can call Seton Hall a program on the rise. They've made like five straight NCAA tournaments and just won the Big East regular season title. So those are the two caveats for this conversation. It can't be a program that has made it to the Sweet 16 or beyond in the last three years and it cannot be a program that has won a conference regular season title in the last three years. So again, that eliminates the Seton Halls, the Texas Techs, the Creighton schools like that. And so let's get into it. I picked four, and here's the first one. And it's kind of topical because they actually got a big commitment on Sunday afternoon, and that is the Alabama Crimson Tide, okay? So Nate Oates, friend of this program, um, and I just think like, like Nate Oates is just... I think he's like one of the next big things in college hoops. He obviously upset Arizona when he was at Buffalo. And when he got to Alabama, I was like, this dude is going to be a rock star. I'll be honest, though. I did not think he was going to be this good this quick. And I know how can you say, how is he this good this quick? They weren't even in contention for the NCAA tournament this year. What I'll say is this. One, he has established a style which I think works. We talked about it when he was on the show a few weeks ago. But... He established a style that works, and that is that they play really fast, and they shoot a bunch of threes. They actually led college basketball in three-point shot attempts, and I believe they were third in the country in points per game. I don't remember the exact number. They, were, they, they, were 80, they, they averaged 83 a game. I think it was, it was first in the SEC by far, and I want to say third nationally. But they established that brand, and now what Nate Oates has done has totally upgraded the talent level in the program. Now, to Avery Johnson's credit, Avery Johnson actually left him some talent. Kyra Lewis, who's going to be a lottery pick to potentially first-round pick this year. John Petty, who's still testing the draft waters. But Alabama has established themselves as a brand in terms of how they're going to play. And now they are recruiting at an insane level. And I've spent a lot of time on this show talking about Arkansas. We're actually talking about Arkansas in a second. The talent upgraded Arkansas. The talent upgraded Tennessee. The talent upgrade at Alabama is crazy, and it continued on Sunday. They got a French forward named Alex Tichou, uh, who was originally a member of the class of 2021, reclassifies, going to Alabama, and now Alabama, according to some services, 
has a top 10 recruiting class nationally. By the way, how about the SEC? Six programs with top 10 classes in one of the recruiting services, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, LSU, Auburn, and Alabama, all with top 10 classes. But if you look at Alabama, here's the crazy part, and this is why they're a program on the rise. They established that brand, and now they're recruiting to that style. And that's the incredible thing. They averaged 83 a game with players that were recruited to do something other than what they were asked to do last year. Now they're bringing in players that actually fit. They got a grad transfer named Jordan Bruner, who's a big athletic kid that can run up and down the floor. They got this kid, Alex Tishu, big up kid, run up and down the floor. Herb Jones returns after last season. They potentially bring back John Petty, who was one of the best three-point shooters in college basketball last year. Javon Quinterly, a former McDonald's All-American, will be their point guard. They got a kid named Josh Primo. Uh, who was a top 30 recruit. They got a kid named Jaden Shackelford who's back, and they are going to be so fast and so fun, and I just think that they are going to be a program that you, at the very least, you're going to want to tune them on because they're going to be entertaining as hell, but I think they are going to recruit at a really high level because I think recruits are going to see their style and say, why do I want to go to some school where the coach wants to hold the ball for 28 seconds and then jack up a bad shot when I can go to Bama, I can play for Nate Oates, we average 80-plus points a game. We shoot a bunch of threes. We run up and down. We have fun. We play through our mistakes. That sounds like a really fun place to play college basketball. And so I think, yes, year one under Nate Oates did not go exactly as planned, but I think they're recruiting at an insane level. They're bringing in an insane upgrade of talent. And if they play the same way they did last year with the players they got coming in this year, they're going to be really fun, and that doesn't even include John Petty, who may come back and I think could be an SEC Player of the Year type candidate. Real quick, I'll stay in the SEC. Another program I've spent a ton of time talking about, Arkansas. I do think they're on the rise, though. I mean, here's the deal. Mike Anderson was good. He was fine. He got them to a tournament every two, three, four years, produced an NBA player here and there, Bobby Portis, Daniel Gafford, whatever. They had no buzz. They had no sizzle. They got sizzle under Eric Musselman. And listen, I've had Muss on a million times, and I'm not going to spend a, million, a lot of time talking about it. But as I've said many times, this is a guy with an NBA background. This is a guy who loves to recruit, loves to have a staff that recruits. They are relentless on the grad transfer market, on the high school market, on the regular transfer market. And they are always looking to upgrade talent. And as I mentioned on the last episode, you now bring in a guy, David Patrick, who is regarded as one of the best recruiters in college basketball and it's, again, going to be a game changer. And so I think as long as Muss is at Arkansas, at the very least, they're going to bring, be able to bring in a ton of talent. And that talent, and Musselman, because of his NBA background, has a history of getting his talent to play together effective immediately. Now, how does it impact this season with all the new players and no practice time in the summer? I don't know. But what I am telling you is Musselman is kind of like that John Calipari type that he's like, dude, just give me, I don't care if I get 13 new players every year, I'm going to figure it out. And I think Arkansas, as long as he has him, they are going to be a factor on the transfer market because he has had so much success with the transfers. He's going to be a factor with the grad transfers, the kids that have one last chance to have an impact in college basketball. And we'll see if he can continue to recruit at a high level at the high school ranks because it is something that he has done uh, since he got to Arkansas super effectively. A lot of the kids is in the class of 2021, 2022, starting to put out their lists right now. They got Arkansas really high up there, and I think it's a testament to Eric Musselman. He had him in position to make the NCAA tournament this year before Isaiah Joe got hurt. I think he'll have them in position to make the NCAA tournament every year that he's there. 
And as long as he's there, they're going to be in contention. And if you get to enough NCAA tournaments, you're eventually going to break through, make an Elite Eight, make a Final Four, whatever. Two other programs. <laughs> and one is another program that I talk about quite a bit on this show, and that is the University of Connecticut. And look, I know, Doris, you're an alum, and they won four national championships since 1999. How can you possibly say they're a program on the rise? Well, did you catch the last half decade at UConn? Because 2017, 2018, 2019, they had a losing record every single year. They had not had a losing record since Jim Calhoun's first year. Kevin Ollie, two losing seasons in his final two years there. And Dan Hurley comes in and, and unfortunately in year one could not get things flipped because let's be honest, it's really hard to flip a program in one season. But then you get to year two and I don't know if you guys paid attention because UConn was in that AAC conference that a lot of people didn't pay attention to. UConn went 19-12 and 12 this year. They won their last five games. And oh, by the way, won eight out of their last 10. And they did that still with a hodgepodge of guys that were from the old regime, young players this year, two starters, were hurt by the end of the season, a cook, a cook, and also Tyler Polly. And now they bring back a lot of talent as they head into the Big East for the 2020-21 season. I said it last episode, not going to spend a ton of time on here, but James Booknight, I think, is a potential all-Big East first team, Big East player of the year type player. They got a transfer named RJ Cole, who the staff really likes. They got uh, a, a high school player named Andre Jackson. They're just bringing in players that, as Dan Hurley says, this is Dan Hurley's quote, they look like a UConn basketball player should. They look like a UConn team should. And so when I look at the talent upgrade, when I look at how hard they played specifically on the defensive end to end last season, I'm really excited about the future of this program. And then I do think you have to factor in, as I last talked about in the last episode, you have to factor in the move to the Big East. Because the move to the Big East is going to open recruiting doors in ways that the AAC just couldn't. I've told this story on this show many times, but... You know, I remember about four years ago, five years ago, three years ago, whatever it was, I was talking to a prominent AAU coach, good friend of mine, and his kid was down to, you know, some really, really good schools, McDonald's All-American caliber player, uh, you know, he was down in Kentucky and I think Villanova, Kansas, and UConn was in the mix, and UConn, of course, at the time was in the AAC, and he just said, man, my kid doesn't want to go to, he, he wants to go to UConn, but he doesn't want to play in the AAC. He doesn't want to go play at Tulsa and Tulane and South Florida and Central Florida. He's from the Northeast. Like he wants to play at Madison Square Garden and Georgetown and Nova. And so he obviously didn't end up committing to UConn. But the point remains is that, you know, listen, whether it was Kevin Ollie, whether it was Dan Hurley, they're going to say the right things when they're in the AAC. They're going to say the things that, oh, you know, this has no impact on recruiting and we're still in the homes and blah, blah, It had an impact on recruiting. You can see the impact that it's had since they have announced that they're headed to the Big East. And oh, by the way, the fan base is fired up. The team played really well last year. And I just think this is a program that is absolutely on the rise. I think they might be as much as the third best team in the Big East coming into this year. I think Villanova Creighton are one too. I think you can make a case that UConn is number three. Final team in terms of program on the rise. Haven't talked about this team as much, but how about the Illinois Fighting Illini? So they're one that they're probably a step ahead of these other three programs that I mentioned. They were actually really good this year. They finished 21-10, and 13-7 and in the Big Ten, and were in great position to be a real uh, team that could do damage in the NCAA tournament this year. Um, but this is also a program, by the way, 
that has not, believe it or not, made a Sweet 16 since 2005. And they haven't even won an NCAA game since 2013. So it's a program that really has struggled over the last decade or so, decade and a half or so. But Brad Underwood is a hell of a coach. He is recruiting at a great level. And I think what's going to be really interesting with them, they still got two guys that could come back to college basketball next year that are currently testing the draft process. That's the crazy part, right? I spent so much time on this show talking about Isaiah Joe at Arkansas and John Petty at Alabama and what is uh, what is uh, Javante Smart going to do at LSU. Illinois has two guys that if they come back, we're talking about a preseason top 10 team. They got the big guy, Kofi Coburn, who is just a monster down low, and they got the point guard, Io DeSumo, who I just thought was gone. But the early reports are that he may seriously consider coming back for his junior year. They got another really good recruiting class coming in. Andre Curbelo, who's a star point guard from uh, New York area. Adam Miller from the Chicago area. And this is just a program I think they're recruiting really well. I think they got the right coach. And I think they're going to be a factor in the Big Ten going forward. And that is a program that I really like. So those are the four programs that I do like going forward. UConn, Illinois, Alabama, Arkansas. There are others, but like I said, the qualifications are you can't have won a conference regular season title in the last three years. You can't have made a Sweet 16. So Texas A&M, who I liked, I can't qualify as a program on the rise. They made the Sweet 16 a couple years ago. Uh, Creighton, I think, is definitely on the rise, but they just won the Big East regular season title, so they may already be there. Same with Texas Tech, same with Seton Hall, etc. But never too early to look ahead to college hoops. So I think that is all. For today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, I'll be honest, considering we got nothing to talk about, I just crushed it, uh, and I appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, over the next couple weeks, I do think we'll transition more into football, but in the meantime, I want you to do me one favor. Make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes. Do it on the Podcast Addict app. You can do it on Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Uh, Also, make sure you're following on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. Aaron Torres Podcast questions at gmail.com. If you have any questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. I will be doing more of these mailbag questions because we are at that time of the year where we're just trying to figure out any compelling way to keep you guys engaged. And I should mention, by the way, thank you guys again for your support. Uh, I've been kind of blown away. I've been really kind of blown away by how many of you have interest in this show this time of year. I know the show is always going to do well in September when football starts and in February and March when college hoops really picks up but for you guys to stick with this show June into July May with no sports it's been incredible and I truly appreciate it so that is all for today's Aaron Torres sports podcast I appreciate you guys listening I appreciate you guys downloading if you're not subscribed make sure to do so I will be back later this week and in the meantime two quick things shout out to Torrent Craig shout out to Rachel who hates my voice And by the way, we're probably going to have something break on Monday because two weeks ago it was Cade Cunningham. Last week it was Imani Bates. So who the heck knows? But I will be back later this week.